0: Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. January 13,
1: 1991, the day was coming to an end as was Roderick Clemens' second-shift job at Church's Fried Chicken. The last customer had gone. The front door was securely locked. All that remained to do was count receipts and balance the books. Roderick, the 26-year-old assistant manager of the Akron fast-food chain, told the only other worker there to head home while he finished his bookkeeping. Roderick didn't like this time of night. He told his mom there were always bad people hanging about. He had asked for this restaurant because it was close to the apartment he shared with her. But now he was thinking about asking for another transfer. Roderick picked up the store's phone and called his mom to reassure her he was almost done. He was expecting the store's manager to pick him up and take him home. Mama, I'll call you back if I need a ride, Roderick told her. Less than an hour later, Roderick was dead. I'm Paula Schleiss, co-host of Ohio Mysteries and helping with this ongoing series, which is covered in this podcast, as well as stories in print and online, our Beacon Journal reporter, Stephanie Warsmith, and my Ohio Mysteries co-host, Steve Yoder. My how times have changed, Steve. I used to get up in the morning and go to the front door and grab my daily paper. Now I wake up and grab my phone. When I see that little number over the email icon, I know my paper has arrived. The Akron Beacon Journal, digital style.
2: Oh yeah, me too. I gotta have my paper. I love how the digital version looks just like the print edition. I can flip the pages on my phone and know when I'm done. I don't have to wonder if I'm missing anything.
1: I also love that I'm supporting local journalism. You know, as citizens, we can't be everywhere. We need skilled and trained reporters telling our community's stories and looking out for us. And right now, did you know you can get the Akron Beacon Journal delivered to your email every single day for the next six months for a buck?
2: Wait, wait, $1? That is crazy.
1: What's crazy is not doing it.
2: And look, if you're not in the Akron area, subscribe to your own hometown paper. A free press is so important to a democracy. We can't lose our watchdogs.
1: Right. Just Google Akron Beacon Journal or your hometown paper, toss in the word subscription, and I'm sure your browser will do the rest and take you right where you need to be. Now, Unresolved, Episode 3. Roderick Clemens. (music) Roderick Clemens is one of many open homicides in Akron. And from time to time, the Akron Police Department has received special funding that enables them to revisit old cases and retest evidence from decades ago. But record violence in the city these past two years has made it hard to keep up with new incidents, let alone spare resources for cold ones.
3: I mean, we had 55 homicides last year, which is, I mean, it's just incredible. We're, we already have 14 this year.
1: That's Akron Lieutenant David Widden. From an interview in April. The number he gave then has grown since.
3: There's shootings all the time, and the gunfire's just out of control, and the weapons. And there's really, you know, we could say, look, we want you to just do nothing but look into these cold cases, but then, look, I I need you. we We got a body. We need you out here now. And then that just, this just sits, right? I mean, that's the reality of it.
1: At the request of the Beacon Journal and Ohio Mysteries, Lieutenant Whitten and Akron Detective Jim Pasilich pulled the old Roderick Clemens case for another look. It's not the kind of case likely to be solved without a confession. There's no obvious DNA waiting for technology to catch up or evidence that might suddenly reveal a killer's identity. But Roderick's murder was emblematic of the time, an era when so many night shift retail workers were being killed on the job that legislatures in Ohio and throughout the country were trying to pass laws in an effort to keep them safer. As a matter of fact, within weeks of Roderick's murder in 1991, the National Institute for Occupational Health and Safety named convenience store clerk the second most dangerous job in America, next to driving a taxi. The New York Times did an analysis that year that found in Florida, for instance, 10% of the convicted killers on death row were there for convenience store killings. One could argue, of course, that fast food restaurants were inviting targets for the very same reasons. A business closing after dark, flush with cash yet to be deposited, typically one employee left after hours to wind things up, and a location often near a highway ramp, convenient access for customers, but also a speedy escape for criminals. Roderick Clemens knew working nights in the inner city was dangerous and had told his mother so. His own caution wouldn't save him. Roderick was born and raised in Akron and lived with his mom, May Walker, in an apartment in the city's Highland Square neighborhood. They regularly attended People's Baptist Church. At 26, Roderick had managed to resist so many of the temptations that present themselves to young men growing up in poorer neighborhoods. He'd never been in trouble. He was a hard worker, who wanted more for himself and wanted to help support the woman who raised him. Two years earlier, he would landed a job at Church's Fried Chicken on South Main Street. But after a year, he asked if he could transfer to the Copley Road restaurant. It was closer to home, about two miles from his Rhodes Avenue address. He got the transfer and a promotion to assistant manager. After a year on Copley Road, he'd come to regret it. He told his mom about shady characters loitering on the street and how he'd grown afraid of going to work. He was thinking about asking for another transfer, but he hadn't put his request in yet. On January the 13th, he went to work at 4 p.m., It was a Sunday and a typical winter afternoon in Northeast Ohio, 32 degrees with light snow. Roderick didn't have a car, so May dropped her son off. Later that night, as the restaurant prepared to close at 10 p.m., the only two people left in the building were Roderick and a female employee. He sent her home, then stayed behind to do the typical end-of-day accounting that came with his role as assistant manager. He paused briefly from counting receipts to pick up the store's phone and call May. It was pretty routine for the store manager, Andre Williams, to swing by and give Roderick a lift home. But Roderick hadn't heard from him and wasn't sure that would be the case tonight. So he called home to warn he might need a ride later, and he would call if he did. At 11.40 p.m., store manager Williams arrived. Akron detective Jim Pasilich explained what happened next.
2: So he shows up. The uh, front door's locked. Um, the lights are still on. He goes to the back. The door's halfway open, or at least ajar. He goes in. Doesn't seem um, he looks around for him, hollers out his name. He goes to push in the bathroom doors and gets to the girls' bathroom and the door doesn't open. So he thinks he's playing with him, holding a door shut, you know, trying to scare him, something like that. Well, then he finally forces his way, pushes the door in. Uh, Roderick is laying on the floor. He had been shot.
1: The manager called 911 and tried CPR on his young assistant until the paramedics arrived. But it was too late. The coroner, William Cox, will describe Roderick's murder as an execution. He said, Whoever discharged the weapon put the muzzle against his scalp and squeezed the trigger. Gunpowder was found in the wound. The person who interrupted Roderick must have talked him into opening the door, because entry wasn't forced.
2: Most of the, uh, or everybody they talked to, uh, employees and people that knew him said that they would not allow people to come in unless he knew who they were, especially after closing hours like that.
1: So either it was someone he knew, or maybe it was someone who waved a gun. Detectives found a second bullet embedded in the wall of the store and theorized it was a warning shot to intimidate Roderick, maybe into opening up.
2: It appears to be a robbery. There's some money missing. There's a night uh, a deposit bag missing with the uh, receipts from that day.
1: Detective Pasilich won't say how much was taken. There are some details police hold back in open cases so they can verify any possible confession in the future. But whatever the amount, it clearly wasn't enough. The thief ushered Roderick into the women's restroom.
2: You could see inside just driving down Copley Road. It was all glass in the front, so you could see where the tables were. You could see where they cooked the chicken in the back and where they stuck it on the shelves to, to cool. So there was no whole lot of places to, you know, quote-unquote, hide and be out of sight. Um, obviously, if you go into the bathroom, you could shut the door and nobody would see driving by. Um, I would think more, more or less, in my opinion, is to hide what was going on.
1: And that's where the cold-blooded killer ended Roderick's life. Lieutenant Widden said it was just so pointless. The robber could have just taken the money and left. For Widden, Roderick's death calls to mind a more recent case. In 2015, 21-year-old Zach Hussein was working at his family's premium New York-style pizza shop on East Glenwood Avenue in Akron's North Hill neighborhood. A masked robber came in at 11 p.m. An interior camera recorded the incident. The masked man demanded money. Hussein handed it over. The robber killed him anyway. By the time that robber was caught, he had three more murders to his name. Last month, 27-year-old Shaquille Anderson was finally convicted of all four murders in a Summit County court.
3: We still are trying to figure out why he... like he had to shoot i mean there's some you know speculation it was an accidental but but then you look at the video it looks like it was intentional you can't really tell he already had the money and he was back he was on his way out i mean did the gun go off accidentally did you know um in this case did did roderick not comply at first you know when he wasn't complying fast enough it's uh i agree with jimmy it's it's, that's it's most of them they don't You know, the shooting somebody's the last thing. You know, they they don't want to get involved in any type of shooting.
1: Why? That's the question that is always left and can never be fully answered, Detective Posilich said.
2: Everybody wants to know why, and, and hardly ever do we know why. You know, why somebody did what they did. I mean, if we knew that, it'd be a little easier to solve things, but you don't know why somebody does what they do. Because in our mind, it doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? But, I mean, here we are, and... We're still busy as ever doing, still trying to answer the questions of why they're doing this. So.
1: There is, of course, one reason why the robber would want Roderick dead.
2: You know, Maybe he knew him, and
3: that's why he had to do it.
1: Did Roderick know his killer? Police talked to his friends, his family, his mom. They searched his bedroom and collected phone numbers he had acquired and called them all. Nobody could think of any reason why someone would want to harm Roderick. There were leads, of course, that trickled into the detective bureau, but they were all secondhand and third-hand gossip. There were no witnesses, no one who heard shots in the night or saw a man running from the store. Nobody privy to some intoxicated confession or who might have spied someone with blood on their clothes or... Witness to a red bank bag stuffed with cash.
2: Early on, there's a couple um, we'll call people of interest. You know, one is, uh, you know, hearsay from hearsay from hearsay. So there is some investigation. There's some people that they were looking at that they thought there was just nothing ever to bring any charges or really ever got any real good traction in that.
1: Roderick was laid to rest that Saturday at Mount Peace Cemetery in Akron. In addition to his mother, he left behind a sister, Doreen, three step-siblings, grandparents, and a host of nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, and cousins. A year after Roderick's death, his frustrated mother questioned why no one could catch her son's killer. At the time, there were 18 other unsolved homicides in the city. May Walker said she felt helpless to do anything but pray. I pray every day and every night they catch who did it, she said. They didn't just have to take his life like that. It's hard to explain. You're on pins and needles. You don't know if the killer is out there. You don't know if he's going to come after you. It really doesn't get better. The only thing I can do is sympathize with other people who have had this happen. When you lose someone like that, you never get them back. Don't nobody know unless they've been there. The only thing I can tell anybody, it hurts. It's a feeling you always have inside you. Over the years, detectives have reviewed Roderick's case from time to time, though there hasn't been anything new to bring them closer to his killer. In reading the files for this series, Detectives Whidden and Pasilich did stumble across one small potential for DNA. They learned Clemens' pants pockets had been turned out. It was a long shot, but maybe, just maybe, the killer left DNA behind in that final act of violent greed. The pants were still in evidence, so they sent it off to the crime lab. Unfortunately, they got back the answer they were expecting. There was nothing there. As a new generation of detectives looking at the evidence, it might also be time to consider a different motive. Maybe there was more going on than a simple robbery.
2: Could something else have occurred? Sure. Could the robbery have been some reason to cover up whatever the initial or the real reason of why they killed that person? That could be, too. Um, and maybe the robbery, taking the money, was just something to maybe try to help cover their tracks. We don't know.
1: If you have any information that could help solve this case, please call Lieutenant Whitten or Detective Pasilich at the Akron Police Department's Detective Bureau, 330-375-2490. That's it for this month's edition of Unresolved, a collaborative podcast between Ohio Mysteries and the Akron Beacon Journal.